Um, my name is Carol, and I am a grateful member of Overeaters Anonymous. I have been coming to these meetings for over 30 years. Does that mean I've done it perfect? No. So I'm going to just say to you why I got here is because I was major. Um, well, before we even start, I need to do this. Um, I kind of do a little prayer, and it's less of me and God more of thee. So this, the only way I could do this program is a spiritual program for me. Amen. <laughs> okay. So um, I saw myself as a PIG, a person in gluttony. And yeah. I wasn't so aware of it until it came to 11 and 12 years old body image kind of thing. When it came to picking an instrument in elementary school, I picked the accordion. And I picked the accordion because it covers up your stomach. Already at that early age, I had an awareness that something wasn't right. I didn't fit in, and I was uh, I was just too fat. Person in gluttony. And I had this goal, you know, in uh, high school. I'd look out the window because we live kind of near an airport, and I look at those airplanes and I go, that's it. I'm going to be an airline stewardess. Well, in those days, too short, too fat, couldn't do it. So um, I knew there was something wrong, but didn't do much about it, you know. Uh, but as I got into college and was more aware of, you know, the, the extra pounds and whatever, I did what um, we find out. For those of you that are new, we use a book called The Big Book, The Big Book of AA. And in the, in the um, doctor's opinion, it talks about using human resources. And for me, that was this, what I call today, this ugly word, D-I-E-T, diet. And I would, I would do all kinds of diets. You know, I, I did the grapefruit diet until I got canker sores. You know, I did all kinds of diets. But, you know, I was going to come up with a way when I'm chopping food or whatever that I don't do this thing. Called, I call it M&M, mindless munching. I got to avoid my, so Carol is going to come up with an idea. This is all Carol, you know, my human resources. So uh, my husband and I watched a lot of football. So I went out and purchased a football guard mm -hmm. and put that, you put it in your mouth. And when I'm chopping food or whatever, then I can't eat as much. Well, you know, those are human resources. It didn't, it didn't help. You know, if I want something, I'm going to have it. So sometimes my husband would travel and uh, we had a, a refrigerator out in the garage. And I said, well, you when you go, when you travel, you need to put a chain lock on that. Thing. Just put a chain lock on that because all your goodies are in there, all your desserts and stuff. And this brought back a memory that when I was little, my mom would make special desserts for my dad. And then sometimes they wouldn't be there. Who took it? Oh, well, my brother took it. My sister took it. You know, I would blame. That started my career. I have a career as a liar, you know. And in this program, I've learned we we, we get it out there, man. So uh, I, I lied about food already, you know. So when my husband put that chain on there and I had the cravings, you know, I was going to get that food no matter what. I went to the hardware store. I bought one of those things that cuts the chain and I cut the chain. And I got the food and I had the binge. And so, you know, I just had a career of, of all of this. And so if I were to 
put a, a big sign about what my problem was, what my disease is. I have a disease and it's a four letter word. It's called more. I want more activity. I want more friends. I want more food. And as I've come to program, uh, I want more faith to know that God's Lord in charge and not me. So this whole career of, of eating got me to the point that I had eaten so much sugar and white flour that I would get into a food fat, a fog. And I, I don't have it here, but I use this when I've done workshops. So pretend this is a, I know this is going to be gross, you guys, but <laughs> pretend this is a toilet paper roll, okay? And I'm looking through it and I can see clearly, but then I start stuffing it with tissue and newspaper and whatever, and I put it up to my eye and I can't see through. And that's the whole thing. I get a food fog. I can't see clearly. I can't make wise decisions because this food's just plugged up my mind. And so, you know, one time I was in a terrible accident and my car rolled down the hill and um, it missed my spinal cord by barely a, a, a half of an inch, you know, and I was just, it was terrible what happened, but when I rolled down the hill, it was a group that found me and kind of was looking over the hill way down there and the fire almost started on the car was the Hells Angels. Yeah, the motorcycle gang. <laughs> and they were the ones that um, called and got me to the hospital and everything. The next time I had one of those food binges and all that other stuff, I missed an air flight because of that. So this whole food thing and this binging was not doing me very good. It didn't profit me much. So um, I had heard through a friend about Overeaters Anonymous, and I went to my first meeting. And my first meeting was at a hospital. And when I walked, when I got there, I was so screwed up with the food and everything that, you know, entrance begins with an E, and so does exit. And I went through the exit to the emergency where the ambulance was. <laughs> And, you know, to me today, that's visual. Uh, this this is an emergency. I need to take care of this somehow. So I went to the meeting, and I'm walking down the hall, and I hear all this screaming. And it was a unit that was dealing with people on drugs coming with their withdrawals. And then down the hall was the OA meeting. And I was scared. And what happened that made the difference was a greeter that came out and greeted us. If it wasn't for that greeter, I wouldn't have been in this program this long. So that, that kind of made the, the difference for me. And um, I started working a program. I started listening to the, uh, the speakers and the literature. And I have this thing, you know, in the baseball game, we have these bobbleheads go like this. That's what happens in an in-person meeting. You get this bobbling head. So I go, yep, yep, I know. Been there, done that. Yep, it's the same. So I hope you can relate to some of the things that I've already said. But um, when I got there, as I started to get some awareness, um, I realized that I, I, I tried different things and, and I couldn't control it. But I left the meeting and I thought, you know, there's still one more thing that I could do. I can really follow a program of Weight Watchers. That's what I'm going to do. So even though there was literature and meetings, I still had this thing in the back of my mind that I could solve the problem. So here's what I did, ladies. I went to Weight Watchers. I got my weight off. And I know what I could do to keep it off. Carol's got a plan. 
I'm going to become a Weight Watcher lecturer. So I did. Well, they send you all the freebies, you know, and all the wrappers, the all the wrappers that used to be um, candy and bars and all that stuff in my car now changed into WW Weight Watcher, you know, stuff. So the problem wasn't solved at all. And I came back into the meetings and I really listened and I found out that it's what's between my ears that's not what I'm taking in my mouth. I don't need another food plan. I need a, a program that's going to remind me of some of the patterns that I have and to be honest instead of lying and rationalizing in the things that I did. And one of the things that I learned is coming from the big book, and I'm going to be sharing some things from the big book because I am sponsored uh, in the big book. It says, we, we succumb to the desire again, as so many do. And the phenomenon of craving develops, and they have a firm resolution not to drink again, not to relapse again or not to take that first bite again. And what did I do? When I told you, I came up with other human resources. And then I had to realize, and another paragraph says, it's a psychic change that occurred. The same person who had seen doom, so many problems, he despaired of even solving them. And you know what? I would, I would eat. Maybe you can relate to this. I would eat to take the edge off. I would eat when there was a task to do and I wanted to procrastinate. I found that today. Ooh, I need to clean this and that. Ah, now let me do this. Let me do that. You know, and I come up with this, you know, procrastination and then eating to calm myself. So um, I found also that as I took this, this phenomenon of craving, it became even more and more paramount to me. And it said um, that I, I, I had a fight. I had a fight going on in my head. You know, am I going to do this? Am I not? It was a fight for choices. Um, and I found out in this book, in, in the big book, that the phenomenon we have is manifestation of an allergy which liberates from other people. So Carol is not normal when it comes to food. The only thing that's normal is the setting on the dryer. It says normal. But I'm not normal when it comes to food, so I need some help. And the help that I found is in these pages of the big book. So I'm going to turn to page um, 20, 23 in the big book. It says um, uh, about the havoc that goes through and what was created and the obsession that somehow, someday, I'm going to beat this game. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt like I'm fighting this because I still have a diet mentality. And what I exchanged that for in coming into program was a four-letter word hope and that's what I kind of what I want to say is a theme for for me is that what I got through program and how I could break the cycle it was the hope that I get in this program and so I have a a plan uh, and the plan revolves around the steps so for me you know I, I I was a teacher for many many years and I used to do the ABC so I'm just going to give you the ABCs the A for me was awareness. And where did I get that awareness? I came to my first meeting, like I told you. As much as I fought it going down that hall, like I said, it was the greeter that made the difference for me. And that A is also acceptance. I have to accept the fact I have a problem, this disease of more, and it can't be eradicated on, on human resources. 
And then um, action. The other A was action. So it was awareness, acceptance, and action. And, you know, when it comes to acceptance, I'm finding that one is probably the hardest one that I'm striving with all the time. But I have to realize that I'm powerless, that I have a disease that I can't manage over. And that really is step one. Step one is admitting that I am powerless over this disease. So uh, step one to me is surrender. And then step two is kind of an awakening, came to believe that Carol's human resources are not going to work. That having a spiritual maintenance program is the thing that's going to work, came to believe. And then the C is I'm committing my life to the care and trust of God. So I choose to call my higher power God. And, you know, uh, at night I go out and I have this, it's kind of like my step 11, and I go out and meditate and I look at the stars and the galaxy, you know, the big galaxy out there in the universe. And I'm going, Carol doesn't have the power to put that all together. Those stars. When I look at a baby that's been born or just, you know, and I recently had a, a, a lot of work done on the inner ear with some of the things I had with some dizziness. And um, there was a diagram of the ear and I'm going, it's so intricate. I'm, I'm like fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what God says. But my problem was, and why I kept going back to the food at times, was I, that I didn't love myself. When you start loving yourself the way God loves you, you want to take care of your body. You want to be a good steward of it. You want to work a program. You want to commit your life to the care of God. So that is step three. And then step four is, well, I got to examine some things. I have some patterns that I keep doing. I have some patterns of anger and resentments and fears that I have. Let's get them out. Let's throw them out on paper. And I did that. And I gave it to my sponsor. And um, after I gave it to her, which is step five, we put it, we were in the park and there were little incinerators and we, we put it on fire and we burned it. Now, some people say they need to keep doing their step four. That's fine. But when I sponsor, I tell people, put caution tape around step four because you can park there. You can keep going back, you know, oh, I'm bad. Oh, yeah, I did that. Oh, it's going to happen again. Jew's going to fall again. That is stinking thinking. That is being a dishonest that a God that could bring me back to and redeem me and bring me back to him for a better way of health and nutrition and all of that. Can't do that now. So um, step five, I gave it away. And then I had to deal with these character defects. It could be selfishness, not being humble. Um, Five minutes remaining. Thank you. Lying and all of that. So I had to work on, on that, those strongholds. And then um, I had to get humble, humble enough to admit those. And when they come up, what I do is I do a 10 step on them. But on step eight and nine, I made a list of people that I had done harm to and then um, making an amends to them. And then, you know, the reason I say about step four and leaving it, I call it step four, leave it at the door. In other words, get it, give it away, then leave it. Don't park there. You're done. 
And then step 10 and 11 and 12 is what I live in on a daily basis, 10, 11, and 12. And 10 is I re, um, when something comes up, uh, some irritation, I write down, and this is very simple to my sponsor. I just, in a couple words, I say the problem. And then I say, where was I selfish? Where was I dishonest? And I have trouble with that. I'm like, well, I'm trying to not to lie and everything. No, dishonest is what things am I telling myself that aren't true? And then um, go out and help somebody. And that's step 12. And that's, you know, give it away. In other words, take it to the street. And, and that's what I've learned to do in this, in this program. So um, I kind of wanted to read something that I wrote. Uh, I would journal a lot and I write, but I, I wrote this when I was just kind of coming to what I had to do. And I told you about that dirty letter word diet, you know, our exchanges says another 30 day diet I had to go through. So God, I could learn discipline and more about surrendering too. I came once again, crawling on bended knee and recorded my food and limited my intact intact. I agreed. And there have been valleys and mountains galore and staying consistent has been quite a chore, but daily, my Lord keeps saying you're worth it. You know, through this discipline process, I'll surely grow. And to that sugary, flowery substance, I've learned to say nope. And that's when I exchanged the four-letter word diet for hope. Patience, obedience, and less of me and willingness has set me free. And the result was time and compassion more of to serve thee. So the scales don't always read the numbers I think it ought. The greatest battles of willingness in the mind are fought. From fried foods and creamy puffs, I must constantly refrain. refrain. God's will for my body, I must maintain. And I can only do that by working the steps. Now, when I said valleys galore in this, the worst times, two worst times in my whole life were when my daughter was kidnapped when she was 12. Yeah, I had to surrender that. It was kind of like a Abraham Isaac experience, you know, children are a gift from God. I gave her back to God, laid on the floor of a church and just said, God, you know, if it's your will, bring her back. In three days, I got, no, in 10 days, I got her back. I had border patrols watching for her and and, uh, they finally got her. So uh, that was one of them. And I stayed abstinent through that. On 9-11, we were trapped in Egypt. There were um, people all around us that were speaking in Arabic. It was kind of a, uh, a fearful time but I had a peace that passes all understanding just trusting that you know um if we were supposed to come back to the United States it would happen when it was going to happen and there were a lot of things that went through my mind that were program wise that kept me going so valleys galore I've had them and they haven't been pleasant but by the grace of God I've gotten through them I choose to have choose to have people that are close that are walking a spiritual path because they help me build my what I call spiritual muscles. So that kind of is my story where I exchange diet for hope and the hopes in these rooms. And my hope is that these newcomers that came and those of you that are listening, they've been with us a long time. I've been in program, like I said, over 30 years. I lost 45 pounds and I've kept that off. Basically, I've just been a little more but eight pounds more than the 45 that I lost because I'm aging and I don't like it. And, and I'd rather replace the stomach and the hip and the, you know, all this other stuff, but I don't, 
I don't focus on the body image. I focus on what's inside. And, um, you know, I just want to end with this because this is the way I live my life all the time. If I feel resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid, I do a 10th step. I don't drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection because I'm doing my 10th step. And I ask God to direct my, my thinking. And when I face indecision, I wait. I wait. I ask for the right direction. I ask God for inspiration to make the decision. I push the easy button. I relax and take it easy. And I ask God continually for freedom from self-will and to be of service. And I'm so grateful that I got to be of service to you guys tonight. Thanks for letting me share.